0: Welcome to the Bullpen Session. This is Patrick Lillis, and glad you're here, glad you're listening, glad you're back. This is the first episode of season four of the Farm Theater's Bullpen Session. Feels like it has been been forever. It's one of the the longest summers I can remember. And, you know, I'm excited to share. uh, We have three very special guests today. I'm excited to share the conversation. I was thinking about it all Uh, summer about what to talk about. I was really proud of The Farms, the fact that our programming went uninterrupted during COVID, and, but I have to say, uh, a year and a half of no theater industry feeling, you know, like it was moving forward, obviously a lot of virtual, a lot of Zoom. Um, It's great that we were able to keep doing things, doing classes online, doing the college collab virtually, different different programs. But um, after the year and a half, I wasn't sure as things are opening up, what people needed and what did they want? And uh, when you're, you know, cultivating early career artists, and there was no career, like, what is the cultivation process? And and it was nice in season three to continue to talk to people throughout that um, and to hear what they were doing and how they were managing it. But I thought it important for me to talk to artists who graduated in 2020, right at the beginning of this, and entered a career that was stalled because of the pandemic and some. I really just wanted to hear what they were going through and what uh, they needed and how they stayed engaged as artists. And I reached out to a couple of my favorite uh, graduates of 2020, uh, talked to Riley Butzvah Patrick and Alia Shahid from Shenandoah University. And they did the college collab of Judith Leoras play Hierarchy of Fish. And I mean, I met them when I was in residence there, but, and I was in residence when it shut down. You'll hear us talk a little bit about that. Um, But they did that whole play. uh, First day of rehearsal was the first day of shutdown on Zoom through the production of Zoom. And uh, were amazing and, and, and really grand. I'm fortunate enough to have been in contact with them sense. And the other person I talked to is Diana Smith from Center College, who is, Center College is a great partner with us. And, uh, and she'll do the second half. But interesting, you know, COVID, everything stopped and shut down, except for we couldn't get the four of us to schedule together. So Riley, Alia, and I talked one time, and then Diana and I caught up separately. And you'll hear both of those conversations. Um, And it was really, it's really great um, to hear them just talk about what, how they pivoted and how their plans changed, but also how they stay and get engaged. And really incredible to hear the perspective they have as individuals and artists and the self reflection they did. But uh, I'm excited to share with, with you that conversation. And yeah, with that, play ball.
1: that I had come to terms with um at least in my senior year was that I really wanted to pursue like a film career before I pursued a theater career um I was coming to terms with I I there are so many roles that I want to do when I'm in my like when I'm in like my 30s my 40s and I was like that's not where clearly that's not where I'm at at the moment so I want to you know take the opportunity I can to beef up, you know, my film, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Chops, my film chops, and then like work my way to like doing theater again. So that's like my goal right. long-term, yes.
0: Cool. And Riley, where are you at?
2: I am in Madison, Wisconsin for 20 more days. I'm actually moving to Brooklyn in November.
0: Nice, neighbor, welcome.
2: Hello. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm really pumped. It's a new, new chapter. I'm, I'm in the, a similar boat to Alia where I've been working and um, building a little nest egg for myself so that I can have some security in the transition of moving to New York, which is something that I wouldn't have had if COVID hadn't have happened. So a little bright side, but I'm about two hours away from Chicago. So I've been doing a lot of auditions and uh, some gigs in Chicago. So that's been fun.
0: Nice. And uh, um, did you end up in Madison because of COVID? Because that seemed like the right plan, go home?
2: Yeah, it was more so that I left for spring break and then never came back. (laughs) So it was it was more of a it definitely was not the plan. It was just that I this is where I was and it didn't seem in the beginning of COVID when we didn't know what was happening, when it kind of was that one week where everything fell apart, I wasn't able to have a plan to get back to the East Coast. And so ideally I would have loved to have had that be my um my plan was to stay in Winchester and and stay there throughout. But obviously that didn't happen and wasn't feasible at the time.
0: Yeah. Well it's funny I was on both of your campus uh at that spring break when everything shut down. Yeah. And the beginning um of this what I'm curious because we are both seniors at that before you went to spring break. What was your plan? Was it after graduation? What did you want to do? Were you going to go to L.A. right away? Were you going to work and save money? Were you going to, I think, Riley, come to New York and live in Brooklyn in 2020?
2: Yeah, I, I had a... Uh, an artistic internship where I was supposed to assist and direct a national tour. So that was going to be my summer. And then I was going to go straight from that into New York and had that kind of infrastructure set up. And obviously that got canceled and then it didn't really feel like a good option to try to move straight to New York, especially when all of my friends who were living in the city had gone home. And so it was I felt kind of on this teeter-totter of, I really want to be in New York City. I really want to be where creative people are. I really want to be in the, where the work is and, and where I've always longed to be, where it feels right to me in my heart, but also at the same time, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. So it was this constant, at least to me, and I'm not sure if you felt similar, Alia, with LA, but it definitely felt like there was a a war constantly waging of what do i do what's the safe thing what's the thing that i want to do and and with covid how am i able to to have a game plan with not only my finances with my career aspirations with who i am as a person but also with what's happening with covid when we there's no game plan and there's no timeline so it was definitely um ended up it, I, I'm getting here, which is good. <laughs> but it, I felt very much like I was just out at sea. I, I felt like I wasn't able to, to make a decision after everything had fallen apart. And there definitely was a grieving process because I had everything set up you know, I I did everything right. I, in college, I did everything they told me to do in college. I did everything my professors advised me to do. I had what everyone wants, a gig at the end of graduation. And even though I did everything right, it still fell apart. And so it kind of was a baptism by fire, at least looking back on it now, after grieving it for a couple of months and and working through, it was a baptism by fire into the the world of a creative, where you can do everything right, you can set everything up, you can do everything that you need to do to make yourself successful. And sometimes things out of your control happen and you can't let it say, I'm never doing this again. Like you have to find a way to move on. And I did not have that pre-COVID. And I kind of had to learn it throughout that really, really painful experience.
0: When you say you didn't have that, you didn't have the, the muscle for like, hey, that might not work anyways.
2: I didn't. I don't think that I, I had the muscle for small rejections, which, you know, collegiate universities set you up well with. There's a healthy dose of rejection throughout, at least for me. And I don't I, I didn't feel rejection on a grand scale. You know, it was uh, I felt safe at Shenandoah. I felt safe within my community. I felt that even if I failed, it wasn't the end. But when you get your first, you know, big person job and you feel like this is the beginning of my career, this is where this is my launching pad. Everything's going to go up from here. And then that kind of crumbles before your eyes. I definitely felt like I didn't know how to get myself out of there.
0: Yeah. No, that's good to hear. I know I'm going to talk about that or ask about that a little more in this in a minute about how you got out of it. But oh, Alia, yeah, I'm curious, what was your initial plan? Um, where were you planning post-graduation? I, so, that, I also want to say I asked that and say I didn't have a plan when I was graduating college until about five days before graduating college. And, wow. and I'm not sure that was a plan.
1: <laughs> no I I really like being in school being at at least at our school um we were so not only were we driven by like the stage productions but we were also driven by like the student-led work there were just so many student organizations within the school that I felt like the the our community within the school felt like we needed to constantly be doing things so I like to like related to the pandemic, it's like people kind of had to like pause, you know? And I think it was really difficult for these, not just me, but like anyone else who was just constantly on the go, like doing projects and things to like, just like, I, I wouldn't say like chill out, but like literally just be like sitting around, like waiting to like do like new, like projects and things like that. So I think, you know, I think for a lot of our peers who were, constantly making art like all the time it was extremely difficult um especially you know when as as an artist i get inspired by like being around other artists so when i didn't have anyone to look to except my parents and my grandma i was like (laughs) i was like I have no motivation. Like I just want, and and that's okay. Like that's completely valid. Like it's a global pandemic. Like it's scary. Like you don't want to be, you don't want, it's like you're searching for motivation. You don't need to, like, it's, it's a scary time. It still is. So um, that was something I had to cope with. Um, That's how I felt when I, when I first moved out here, I was like, even if I moved out here and nothing was happening, like I needed to deal with that and accept that and just like work like do like my normal, my, my, I like to call it like my uh, second life is like, you know, putting on my retail voice and everything. Um, And just like putting like projects and things on the, on pause until like vaccines became a thing. But um, my uh, experience, yes, the end of school. So it felt like it it honestly, Patrick, it felt like it was uh apocalyptic, like television show, like my spring break, because I went to LA for spring break, uh, break to find housing. Um, I had got accepted into this program called uh, Upstart Living. And it's basically these um, small communal homes throughout the Los Angeles area. I believe there's like seven or eight of them. Um, and it was a place for like young artists who wanted to move out to LA could just live there like month to month rent until they felt that they could like move out and find a place of their own which at the time was a phenomenal opportunity to take because I think I was only gonna about gonna pay at least like $600 a month um, to live in a like in a house with 12 other people um living in like I don't know if you know what like pod living is um but basically I'd have my own I'd live in a room with like six other girls in like a bunk bed situation um and like I wouldn't really bring much like I'd just bring my clothes on my back and like some books or plays and I just have to like I'd have my one little section in the cabinet for my food and in the fridge. Like it was like that type of situation. Um, so that's why I came out to LA for spring break was to like figure out which house I wanted. And also these houses provided um, a ton of amenities for artists. Like they had like self tape rooms and like little like gyms and like uh, like dance studios and things. And what was cool is that, um, if one house didn't have an amenity, you were allowed to like take a time slot out for the other house and like travel there so you could like film a self tape or something, which I was like, that's so cool that this, this, these houses just provided that for young people. I was like, it's a great opportunity. Like I'm gonna take it. I wanna like, I wanna do it. And then uh, the day I was touring one of the houses, I believe it was in like Santa Monica or something. Um, there was a ton of news reports about like coronavirus. And my mom was like, ah, like, just don't worry about it. Like, let's just like tour the house. And we did. And then like the next day, like, like Trump had announced, like it was a national emergency. And I was like, wow, what terrible timing. And the next day I had to fly home because we had um, hierarchy rehearsal. So I was like, but I, we're not going back to school. Like it was a last minute email. They're like, you guys just got to stay home and we're on Zoom. And I was like... <laughs> I was like for two weeks.
0: For, yeah, that for two weeks. That was the announcement, two
1: weeks. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that was the announcement. <laughs> and it was, uh, it just felt like a, I just felt like I was on like some like sci-fi apocalyptic TV show for like a week straight. Cause I was like, I feel like something terrible is about to happen. And sure enough, it just kind of sort of happened, uh, but that was my plan um, to just find a house out there and then uh, move in. Like quite literally, June, like like June twenty second or something. Like I had to pack up stuff from my college house and just like
0: and go go back,
1: go back to my house and then just fly over there. It was it was really quick turnaround. So
0: yeah, I think it's devastating that the plans are taken away, and you both you both had plans. I I actually, I'm curious, and I don't want to duck the part when you said it was hard. Like, what did you do to get active? Because I really, just so you know, I mean, I'm 30 years into this race and um, career, and I needed that community that you were talking about, Elliot, that, uh, you know, I, I was, I went from Virginia to Shenandoah, things were terrible in New York, so I went and stayed with my mom in Rochester, New York, and stayed for 10 weeks, and after about 10 weeks, I'm like, wait, I have a home (laughs) and I've built a life, even if that life isn't happening. But I needed to get back just to the environment I built to re-engage my creativity and my thinking. And, you know, I was not seeing as many people because you weren't getting on the subway, but at least I was meeting up with people in the park and walking and talking with friends and getting that in-person stimulation as much as I could. So I really understood that when you said, the idea of community um so I have two questions but I guess the first one is what got you out of either Riley what got you out of that fact of like to be able to build back up that interest when that carpet was pulled out from under I
2: think it was I I think that throughout four years I had really put all of my worth on being an actor and being a successful actor. And I kind of didn't have a, a lot of personality, if I'm being honest outside of that. I mean, I love to act. I love to be in creative spaces. I love to watch other people do interesting things. And when I didn't have any of that, I was like, what do I like to do? if I'm not able to act, if I'm not able to be in these student groups, if I'm not able to be in charge of something, who am I and and what are my interests? And so I almost had to form a relationship with myself as a non-creative and remember that I like to read and remember that I like to draw and that I like to listen to music and collect records. And so I think a, a big part of my grieving process was realizing that I can, love acting with my entire heart and soul and want to do it every day for the rest of my life, but I can also be a multifaceted human and I don't have to have my entire purpose and self worth rely on this one thing. And so I really, and it was painful. I mean, it was a really, really, and uh, Alia and I were in the farm you know, Zoom show. And so while I'm going through this quarter life crisis of who am I, if I'm not an actor, it's like, we're also in all these Zoom rehearsals, which was phenomenal. And then we're in Zoom school. And this whole time I'm like, I'm at my house in Madison, Wisconsin. Like what is happening? It just felt so disorienting. And it was painful because it was this, again, it was this push and pull, this teeter totter of, well, I don't feel like I'm an actor, but I'm acting. I don't feel like i'm going to be successful because of this but i'm still acting and so it definitely took a, a lot for me to have to kind of step away and that was hard because i hadn't done it for my whole life i was in you know theater as a kid and then i was in theater as a, a preteen and then as an adolescence and then as in college and i never really had taken a break and and re-evaluated kind of who i am and So that was beneficial in in many ways and also painful in many ways. And I felt that I was, I felt constantly like I was falling behind, like I wasn't doing enough, like again, (laughs) this teeter-totter of my own mental health and my own safety and also this Part of me that has been in, was emboldened by college of the rat race of having to do more of having to send more emails of giving myself ten emails to send a day and I'm like but there's no one to send emails to and I'm having this existential crisis over I've only sent five emails to, and so it was just this cut and so I was able to take a step back even though it was painful and even though I felt like I was doing a bad job and being a bad creative person I was able to take a step back and heal myself and get over the grief of losing my first out of college job <laughs> and you know heal myself for, for the fact that i was probably going to be in madison for longer than i wanted to be and i think that at the end of the day it was a beneficial experience i think that if i had not kind of been, and and it feels bad to say it's a gift because I know that it's so painful for so many people, including myself and people have, you know, been through so many unspeakable hardships, but it does now looking at it a year and a half later, it does feel like a gift because I was able to get to know myself in a capacity that I I was not able to prior.
0: Yeah. Uh really good and really healthy. And I want to say, I think 30 years into the pursuing this career, I had a similar response to the pandemic in the sense that it forced you to, you know, forced me to get in touch with like, Oh, well, thankfully I have a little more time with that, but I also got to indulge in golfing that I'd taken 10 years off of because it takes away too much time from pursuing directing work and, yeah, and, and so I took like a decade away, but because it was the only thing I could do that was normal because you didn't have to wear a mask, it was outdoors and no reason to be within six feet of anybody without being rude. Um, so I did it, you know, and got back in touch with like, oh, I enjoy that. What else do I enjoy? You know, and I, with you, I also missed all the artistry. I just want to say it was a great self-awareness because when I met you, second semester, your senior year, when I was at do, I thought, wow, there's somebody who carries themselves like a professional, like they're really, pers- but it, in a great way, but also in that way of like, oh, I don't feel like I'm talking to a student. This person is ready to like you connected with me and you followed up with me in a conversation that we had had. And I remember the next time I saw you, you like, you almost like followed up, like sending the email type idea. And
2: you can you can thank Martha Walner for
0: that I, one. I thank her for all the time, <laughs> but it was um, she actually will be our promoter of this podcast uh,
1: episode. Oh, thank God! More than anyone.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, and I did. And I thought like when I met you, I thought, oh, there's somebody who's aware of what it takes to do this work, and you're but you're doing it, and 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 sometimes, and I. But I think it's true, like you can get caught up in it. And I think the pandemic, one of the, yeah, it's very serious and it cost lives and it cost livelihoods and it cost money and jobs of other people and stuff. But the one thing that it did allow you, allowed me to do, I don't want to say you, allowed me to do and you were talking about is that self-reflection of getting balance. Because it's very easy to lose track of the balance aspect of it, especially in a career where you're constantly feeling like you should be doing more and you're oddly enough, never measuring yourself just to yourself or the people who aren't doing as well as you, you're always measuring against the people who are ahead of you as far as your own perception, you know, <laughs> and now, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. I guess I want to ask like, what do you, you know, your thoughts on that? Just t- hearing Riley talk about what it did for you or how you, to, you know what was it where you allowed yourself to take action again and say, okay, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get out of Michaels and you know the East Coast.
1: Um, the so I'm like i I'm from Virginia. I've lived in Virginia my whole life, um, and then I went to school for four years in Virginia, um, and. It, I think, you know, being home was great. I appreciated being home very much. I got home cooked meals from my, my, my family. And I, I got, I believe it or not, I got to see my family more um, when I got home from school than like when I did during school, like during the pandemic. So at a distance, of course, and everything like that. But, um, and then I got to see like friends from high school that I haven't spoken to in a while. And like, They're like, I got promoted and I'm moving to like New Zealand. And I'm like, when were you going to tell me that you were doing like all these extravagant, like, I was just like, it was, it was a nice, uh, humbling time, the pandemic for me, at least like I, I, I got to catch up with friends and family. And I, I, again, as Riley was saying, like self-reflection, I mean, like, like last semester, you know, I had, I had felt like, um, I did I had done what I needed to do while being at school Um, besides like just acting I felt like I networked in like different aspects too because I did like theater photography as well and I was just all over the damn place Riley knows but I uh, eventually at one point I was like I have to I have to improve my acting or else it's not um, it's just going to be me being kind of good at a bunch of different things. So I'd rather just be like really good at one thing at the moment. And I knew senior year was like, I really got to like step this up. Um, so then, you know, coming back and then doing, you know, the farm show was spectacular, um, and magical in its own way. Cause I felt like I was working with a whole new group of people, um, and I had never worked with Riley either, which was like exciting yet frustrating. Cause like we had never done a show together at school. And I was like, why is this the last show we're doing together? Uh, it was like the first and last, you know? So that was incredibly rewarding and we had a great cast and it was wonderful. And like, I felt, I was a little scared when it finished cause I was like, I feel like this is gonna be it for a while and I'm gonna have to just cope with that for a minute. Um, so again, like, you know, not being around other artists made me like, not just I I wanted, I wanted to take a break. Like I I legit wanted an artistic break. I just wanted to like sit around, like maybe watch some good TV. Like, I don't want to do anything. Like, I mean, not school was a lot, but then like, plus the pandemic, I was like, okay, I need, I need to chill out. Like, this is a lot of my mental... Um, But, you know, working at Michael's and everything and like telling and then also Riley and I uh, filming in August um, was definitely a really big motivator um, because I was like, okay, like, I really want to keep doing this. Like I want I want to keep like striving for the thrill of like being on a set and like, you know, like catching up on lines, like mid takes and things like that. I was like, God, I miss that feeling. So it, it just got to a point where like, I would like talk to my coworkers about it. Be like, Oh yeah, like I'm an actor. Like I went to school and I was like, I'm still here though. And I feel like I need to just, I, I just need to go for it. I can't, there wasn't, there wasn't very much um, opportunities for me either being in Virginia. Um, of course I lived like 30 minutes away from like DC, um, but it just it didn't. And there's a lot of theater in DC, um, but it just it, it. I knew that if I if I stayed like in the vicinity of Virginia, I wasn't gonna feel like a a new um, nuanced like artistic um, yeah. like awakening. I guess like I wouldn't I wouldn't I would I would just feel a little stuck still. Um, so being out here is a whole new ballpark. So I've been like trying to like adjust my like mindset and like, especially when I meet new people, I'm like, you know, it, it's, it's a really different way of life out here. And, you know, being an East coast girl coming out here, you know, people are not so nice. Um, so it's like, I just had to adjust a little bit and that's fine. And I still am. Um, I don't think I ever will adjust to West Coast life, and that's fine with me because I just enjoy being in sunny California. so at least for a minute. Um, but again, just doing a lot of self reevaluation and just my my very supportive parents who knew that I wasn't going to be happy unless i unless I moved. So,
0: yeah. That's key. And that's, it's funny, the 30 minutes you were talking about about being away from D.C., like 30 minutes can feel like a lifetime, you know, if, yeah. if you're sitting in your hometown, not actively doing what you want to be doing. What what have you found? I hear what you're starting to do now. You each have said something, but what did you find that you were able to do in the past, I'll say, year to remain engaged and to feel like... So that didn't totally go away. I still am an artist. I still am taking the steps for my career.
1: So for our senior year, we had two different uh, projects. Um, one was our senior showcase. And then we had um, beautiful production uh, directed and produced by Martha Wallner. Um, the uh, monologue, uh, what is the quarantine monologue it was the i think it was called the playwrights
2: project
0: the
3: playwrights project.
0: <laughs> I one of the playwrights so i remember it that we were invited to write specifically for an artist for an acting student
1: and it was i don't know about riley but personally i felt it was like the highlight um at least at least for my senior year, I felt so, it felt like a fever dream that whole evening. Um, just being in a Zoom room with like a handful of people, I've like read their plays and like ad- admired their, Like, I just remember like Lucy Thurber signing in and I was like, I don't, am I in the right? I was like, we had like a group chat and we were like rapid texting. We're like Lucy Thurber has entered the chat. Like we were freaking out um anyways but i had met um Dipti Bramankar through this uh monologue project and uh martha had requested that um that us and the um the playwright um that we'd like have a phone call and just like chat for a little bit before they like wrote something for us um and i just ended up talking to Dipti for like three and a half hours and just would not get her off the phone. I just wanted to keep talking to her. Um, And then she wrote this beautiful monologue about me owning a pie shop in LA. And it was like the most, it was the most amazing repertoire I will ever have in my life. I just, uh, now I just, I have it printed out like in my bedroom, like on my wall. I just love it. I love looking at it. Um, And then fast forward to September, right? September? And she messages messages me and she's like, um, do you want to read for this new play that I'm doing? And I was like, Oh yeah, like absolutely. That'd be like wonderful. And she's like, great. It's through It's through labyrinth. And I was like, "Through what? Like, what do you mean? She's like, Oh, it's for their play intensive. And I was like, what? Like, so, and like, I was like, okay, like stay calm. Like you got to play cool. Like do your thing, like rehearse. So, um, I did this play reading for Labyrinth, um, and I did it with, um, an old professor that used to work at Shenandoah, uh, Charles, Charles and it was a really cr- in, intense moment for me personally, because Charles Goforth got me into Shenandoah, and I don't even think he understood that he did, um like i don't even think he recognized who i was but i just sat there and i was like i know you so much because we i had the best interview with you like getting into school and so i told martha i was like you have to tell charles you have she was like you tell him like just email him tell him like like thank you like you did this and it was it was a really beautiful moment for me because i was like wow he got me in the school and now i'm working with him like it was a very very full circle um, so I did that and that I rehearsed with them for like a week. Um, and then, of course, presented it to like everyone in like the Labyrinth Ensemble, which was another overwhelming story I will not get into because that was just a handful, just a bunch of people I admired, just all in one Zoom call. Um, and then uh, later in the year, um, Difty asked me again if I could do like a legitimate play reading through um, narrative. Incorporative, which is um, a small storytelling company based in London, UK, which was an amazing experience. I cannot believe that was the thing as well. And I got to work with some amazing, amazing artists there as well. Um, and yeah, and then also, I probably should have went back. But we filmed a movie like in August, like a like a feature length film just during the pandemic, Riley and I. Um this,
0: this August or last August?
1: Um last August. Year
0: ago, 2020.
1: Yeah, 2020. Um and that was an experience too because we I had not seen any and it was with my classmates, so I had not seen any of them uh since March. Like yeah, and it was just remarkable. Like I, it almost didn't feel real, and it was. It just lasted like four days, and we got it out done quick. And then the next day, I met up with Riley because I did not get to see her when we were filming uh, due to COVID. So it was just a very overwhelming experience. So I, I can't, I can't say that I was not um, fulfilled artistically. I, I think, I think about all the people that. Um, who had absolutely no uh, motivation or felt that, like that they couldn't, um, or felt that they didn't need to feel motivated at the time. And and like going into these things, you know, um, I had to keep reminding myself, like this is a really cool opportunity. Like I cannot, like you need, like I needed to process, like, I can't believe I'm just, I'm getting work right now during, during the pandemic, I just and it was I was so grateful because if it weren't for the farm and doing the Zoom production, I wouldn't have had the skill set to do any of these readings. Um, so it just I I can't say that I I, I didn't do anything with my time.
0: No, I um, love hearing both of those because both of those examples of the film and then the dipty, the reading of Feet in the Forest and then the London Zoom production, um, which was great, is both of those things are great, right? You created something with your classmates, and you also took this outside connection that uh, Martha Mulner made during the senior playwrights showcase, um, and it benefited. And it's like, yeah, and it's it's and it's good. I'm really glad to hear about it because. I think the hardest thing when people graduated, especially in 2020, but in regular life, is feeling a sense of connection outside of your own school community. It's hard to get into that, and then what you want to be doing is building community in the beginning, you know. And so I'm, I am really glad to hear that that experience. You know, you're right. You kept working and and being in the room and and meeting those people, and you were. You know, it's funny to think about like you, a couple of days in Zoom, but that's as meaningful to the people you are working with as it is to you, because everybody there is grateful to be working. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: It was, and especially like speaking, like speaking on that. I, I, I was so used being in school. You know, you're you're essentially working with your classmates, so everyone's like in the same like age range, but getting to do these productions, I got to work with people who could have been like 10 years or 20 years older than me. And I I felt like I was a working actor. Like I felt like I was working with other actors and it felt like normal, I guess. I don't know. I just felt like I was like doing the damn thing. I don't know. Like
0: <laughs> and you were. Yeah. And you were and you're right. And 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 that's actually kind of the cool thing. A friend of mine who's part of the farm, associate of the farm said early on that students and people just entering the field lose track of the fact that they, they're already part of this community just by, because theater is a community of artists and just by the dedication, sometimes over-dedication of your life to it, you're making that same commitment that the person who's been doing it 40 years and you're in that community and, you know, And it's it's hard to remember that as we start the journey, but also sitting at the table or the Zoom room to do your first day of work next to somebody who's been doing it 40 years. Well, they're not gonna play the part of the uh, young D (laughs) (laughs) and feed in the forest. Um, It's really good to hear. Riley, what what did you do to stay? How were you engaged? And I know I heard about going to Chicago and things and that seems to be like starting now because things are opening up a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Th- that is more the past couple of months as things have started, auditions have started opening up and, you know, sets have started opening up. I've been doing more of that in Chicago, but I did find it really beneficial again to take, this is, I think my, my motif throughout this podcast is taking a step back and Alia and I did that wonderful uh, movie, A Cupid for Christmas, and had to do a quick plug. And that was a really phenomenal experience and really the first thing that I'd I'd done outside of uh, the farm. And I think throughout, it was a wonderful experience to act. And I, I obviously learned a lot from that and was felt very fulfilled by that. But something that was beneficial for me throughout COVID and the trump presidency and the black lives matter movement was to sit back and almost just listen you know remove myself from the situation and listen to people who are more educated than me who are more articulate than me who have more interesting important things to say you know about race and gender and expression and the the theater industry and and how it it has changed or how it should change and that is a way that I really kept engaged that I hadn't beforehand was reading articles watching Instagram lives with casting directors and actors and I I felt even though I was an outsider even though I wasn't necessarily contributing to the conversation nor should I have been because like I said those people were smarter and more articulate than I was um I I was learning a lot and it almost felt like being in college again, this opportunity to take what I know about theater, what I'd learned about theater throughout my life and the four years, and film and television and everything else, and be able to see it through a different lens. It was really that's a way that I kept engaged. And and I was lucky enough that people were opening themselves to to speak about it on a pla- on platforms in which I could Listen and, and learn from it. So that was really beneficial to me because even though I wasn't in these spaces, I wasn't in a, an auditorium listening to a keynote speaker. It was I felt like I was I was in the room because everything was happening online. People were doing Instagram lives, people were having Zoom conferences, and so you could be in your living room in your pajamas listening to people speak about things that like had never occurred to me before and really have reshaped how i view acting and how i view you know the theater world and the film world and the television world and so i i really feel again blessed to be able to have had that opportunity even though it was horrible that we were all stuck in our houses i mean the fact that people were opening themselves up and, and opening their knowledge up to kind of let people engage in it was was so wonderful and and empowering really as an artist to to be able to continue to learn even after college i think i was afraid that with covid i wasn't taking acting classes i wasn't you know working with directors who i didn't know i wasn't going to active auditions and so i felt really afraid that i wasn't going to learn anything and I did. I learned a ton. I I learned so much, and so that was really wonderful. And I've I've also had the thank you again, Martha Walner. Another motif of this podcast. I've d- have been doing an artistic internship with Cherry Lane virtually, which has been really wonderful and more on a uh, you know a a. a reading and reading scripts and giving my feedback and stuff like that, which is a very different thing than what I thought I would be doing. So again, it's been helped me be a more multifaceted artist and kind of open myself up to new opportunities. So that's been really wonderful.
0: Hearing that education part about, you know, I also think it was really good to hear you talk about it because that was the national conversation or is the national conversation of what's going on in the theater right now. And And previous, you know, prior to um, the pandemic and George Floyd murder, that, that conversation was talked about in such broad strokes, and I am certainly sure that it was not impacting every classroom you were in and every workshop you were in. And now it it is because there has to be a consciousness, and especially in a theater community, in a film community, in an art community. Where we want to build a better world, <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, well, wait a minute, maybe we were missing some things on what we thought that actually looked like. And it's been really glad that you were taking the time and and, and staying engaged that way because I think that conversation is it's vital and also um, going to help as you as things start to open up to enter in with that consciousness. Of, you know, what's happening. This is an incredible conversation. And usually I ask, what advice do you have? However, I'm going to say that you surprised, you both surprised me on your, just talking about what it was like to go through it, that you already gave great advice. I want to take the opportunity for the two of you to tell me, tell all the listeners, but tell me, what do you think? And not not from me directly, but what do you think would be most, what do you are thinking about that would be most useful or helpful to you as the world is starting to open up and as you think about making your next step as an artist in a career what do you think you need or what's valuable and and however you want to think about that i am interested in i think that
2: something that i'm craving and i don't know if this is just coming out of college and having had this but the mentorship that I think you get in college and and then and obviously we have at, at Shenandoah, we had wonderful teachers who continued to follow up with us as you're showing right now with this podcast, <laughs> but um, I I do think that there is. It's it's hard to be a 20 something year old and be in a new place and be like, okay, I'm here, what do I do now, you know, what do I. I don't know where to go. I don't know where the scene is. I don't know. This is what seems to be happening. I don't know if that's accurate. And so I think that there, it would be beneficial to have somebody who is in the scene, you know, take somebody under their wing and kind of show them what's going on. And I think that that happens organically and naturally when there are, when you're able to go to shows, when you're able to make connections, but with COVID that kind of didn't happen you know, the ways that we were, the ways that you meet your, your mentors and the people you look up to, it wasn't really able to happen organically. And so I think now we're kind of far enough removed from it where for me, I'm definitely craving that sort of, that sort of interaction with somebody who, who knows more than I do. And again, and that can obviously be found in acting classes and, and, and stuff like that. But It's hard when especially when you are when your whole community is on the east or the west coast and you're me and you're in the Midwest only for 20 more days. But still, you know, you're in the Midwest and you're like, I, you know, I'm wanting to to be a part of something, but I don't feel like I have the wherewithal to know where to go or how to present myself.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's incredibly valuable. What do you think you would need or value or want?
1: Um, I think because the pandemic is, it's just been a topic of discussion. Um, um, as well as, you know, having the, the feeling that you constantly need to be doing something in order to feel like you need, in order to feel fulfilled doing what you're doing. Um, and, you know, after like doing the thing for four years straight, And then like dealing with all of this, like, I think, you know, taking the, I, I think if, if anyone hasn't had that moment to self-evaluate, um, on themselves, um, how they view the world or however, like, I think it's completely valid to take a step back and just, um, do nothing. Um, I, as someone and i and it's a and, and it's weird for me to say because i i'm a ter- i'm a terrible self motivator i'm just putting that out there I, i'm i really I'm a, i am have to discipline myself because i'm just lazy 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 um but i have to i literally have to remind myself like this i am don't laugh
3: i i'm laughing <laughs>
1: you're not lazy. Everyone,
2: if you're listening to this in your, in your ears right now, Alia is not lazy. She's a
1: very hard worker. Um, thank you, Riley. Uh, but, um, like I, I complete, I take a break. If you are, if you are seriously, if you feel like you have, you have no sense of direction with, et- with, with your life at the moment, I, I would not see that as a negative thing because it has been an overwhelming time and it still has been. And I think it's completely completely valid to just take time for yourself. Wh- whether that means like your own form of self-care or you, I, like, I don't know, like just taking, I've, I've seen a lot of friends, you know, um, just switch, completely switch a career path for a moment um, just to have, you know, set experience of like a different, like path, and then they pro- and eventually jump back into you know, like being an actor doing the thing, you know. Um, so I think. I, I think it's I. It was a really it was like, it was just a really rough time. I'm not well spoken, but my the point I'm trying to make. You are well
0: spoken, not- and you're making it great. And I want to say that I'm really happy you said it because there's a feeling with the doors opening back up and, and the industry opening back up of like 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 a bull when needing to come out of that gate and chasing it. And I think, you know, as we, the pandemic allowed us to take a pause and to know that, look, a year and a half is gone without meeting an agent and doing X and doing Y and you're still an artist. And it's a joke that I make a lot that I, you know, and I've said this, here's my running theme, Riley, since you keep pointing out yours, somebody who's done it for 30 years. You know, I wish what I had told myself when I was 20 is that you're gonna be doing this for a long time, you know, and nobody works constantly. And sometimes you are forced to take a break, pandemic, forced to take a break, nobody's hiring you, forced to take a break, for whatever reason. And I think it's good, Eli, as you're talking, just to remind yourself like it's okay to take a break. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, the athletes right now, Simone Biles, and you know, you know, Osaka, and like, they're taking a break, mental health, for whatever reason, you know, and they're all valid. And, you know, you're not going to think like, oh, they're not they're not athletes anymore they took a break you know (laughs) nobody thinks that and so it's really it's a good reminder and also i'm also with you i sometimes am incredibly motivated like a dog with a bone when i have a project i have to do but also i'm i go months where i'm not and i need somebody to bring me a project you know and so i understand it does not mean lazy but that self-motivation of being self-driven and the person, you can see the people who are like really great at creating their own project constantly. I'm like, oh, I don't have anything to say right now. You know, <laughs> like bring me something and I can be a director, I can be in it, but I doesn't mean I can self-generate it all the time. So I understand, I understand that. I do not think that makes somebody lazy. It's just a different motivation. Sometimes you need external impetus versus internal. Um, uh, but that was a long summation to say that I really, I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think that's what I say, like, what do you need next? What do you value? I'm like, yeah, carry that with you. Carry that with you that it's okay to breathe. Yeah, it's okay to be human yeah. and take the time. Um. This is really amazing. This conversation was great. And um, I want to check in and see if there was anything you wanted to make sure you said and, you know, since Riley, you're finally on a podcast.
2: Living my, my actual dream. I, this is truly, I, I, this will be burned into my brain as a milestone probably for the rest of my life.
0: It was so wonderful to talk to Alia and Riley and uh, not only catch up, but uh, they're just so impressive um, in their thinking and how they're processing this part of you know their life and their journey and their career. And, and uh, now I'm going to share the conversation I had with Diana. Um, I don't think I said in the intro that Diana, last time I saw her, was at the Southeast Theater Conference while she was getting an internship. And she was in Center College's College Collab production of... Uh, Sean Proctor is the villain, and I also got to work with her on a I Have Something to Say, which was one of the, no, I talked about it on the pod, one of the 10 students that created a 10-minute solo show, and uh, also great to catch up with her. I think you'll hear that she has recently moved to Chicago, and and with that, uh, I will share the conversation I had with Diana. <laughs>
3: We last talked, which I believe was at SETC, like a week before everything shut down, ironically. Um, I was looking for apprenticeships in theaters. um, And I actually had one lined up at Actors Theater for their learning and creative engagement apprenticeship. And um, then the whole pandemic really set in and that was rescinded. Um so I had about a year at home in self isolation uh with my family and where
0: where's home Louisville Kentucky Okay
3: yeah um and during that time a couple of other center grads um who were a few years older than me actually started a virtual theater company called DCSG Theater um which stands for Don't Care Still Good Theater um <laughs> And they started doing a lot of really cool virtual productions and some original work. And I got to be a part of that, um, which was really cool because I felt like I sort of got to maintain a lot of the things that I care about um, in theater. Um, So I was I was mainly acting in those, which was a lot of fun. And then um, just a couple months ago, I moved to Chicago, where I am now. Um, and I'm living here and I'm doing an AmeriCorps program where I am stationed in a middle school and I am currently helping out with their musical theater class. So,
0: oh, really? Nice. So, it's in the yeah. right world,
3: yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: let me go back a little bit. When you, what was your plan? It was funny, it was the last time I saw you, it was at SETC, and your plan was to intern for a year in Louisville at Actors Theater of Louisville, one of the great regional theaters and and what what was the investment was going to be in community engagement Mm
3: -hmm. well I was looking for things that had to do with uh either theater education or even dramaturgy um things in that world and I was hoping to do that for a year gain some experience and then I did want to end up in Chicago at some point so that part did happen which I'm grateful for Um, But that's about all I knew at that time.
0: But that's, and the internship would have been a year long. Yeah. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so you did your own internship. Yeah. uh, By creating theater, virtual theater with your friends and staying engaged. What got you to Chicago? What was the impetus that said, all right, I'm going to go now?
3: Well, I have another really good friend who graduated from center who was in need of a roommate. And she was like are you interested? And I was like, you know, I am. Um, And it just seemed like too ideal of a situation to pass up. And so now I'm here. And so far, so great. But the reason I wanted to come to Chicago all along was to explore um, improv and sketch comedy more.
0: And are you doing that?
3: A little bit. Um, Not necessarily in person in Chicago yet. So far, I've just been seeing a couple shows here and there. But during the pandemic, I took some online sketch writing classes with Upright Citizens Brigade. And I even got to do a virtual sketch show with the Magnet Theater, which is also in New York. So that was cool. I was just in my childhood bedroom, like writing sketch comedy in the pandemic. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it was fun.
0: That's, That's excellent. And how long, I love that it's funny. The virtual thing is like the shift that everybody did. And it didn't stop the engagement. And even hearing this, I mean, it I don't want to take away from the fact of a year-long internship if you're interested in new work at the Actors Theater of Louisville is great. And the fact that that wasn't happening, that's something that didn't happen. But but the staying engaged is great. Also, I think moving is I, I moved to New York in a similar way many years ago. If somebody calling saying, My friend needs a roommate, do you want to take it? And yes, you know, yeah, that's how it happens in the invitation. And I love that you're able to take the upright Citizen sketch writing online. I think online play development has been great. And when do you think you're going to knock on the UCB door and say, or Second (laughs) City and say, I'd like to be on stage?
3: I'm hoping soon. My plan is to sort of continue to get settled over this next month or so. And then I want to start looking around for a place to take classes obviously there's lots of places to take classes but I want to find the right fit I'm not sure if I want to go straight to the second city um because obviously they're a very big theater and they teach lots of different classes um I I, I'm kind of interested in starting smaller and um because that's sort of what I know best is making theater in a smaller community just having come from center and um, I just want the opportunity to get to know people really well and make friends along the way and just sort of get my feet wet so um, I've been looking at a couple different theaters around um, but it's it's a much different landscape than I thought it was um, before I ever came here obviously because of the pandemic a lot of theaters shut down um, a lot of improv theaters have shut down I know improv olympic
0: shutdown um when you say shut down are they do you i don't know and i i feel like i should know a little bit more of that world but are they shut down permanently or are they temporarily shut down
3: i know improv olympic is permanently shut down um i know even in new york i think ucb's theaters they had two locations i think they're shut down i think i mean they're still doing things virtually and i think they're Still, um, like renting rehearsal spaces in the city, but I don't think they have a theater of their own. Yeah, know.
0: they they they've they've, uh, I think a core group of them have moved to another location, mm-hmm. um, not you not the same name, but mm-hmm. but yeah, which is that sort of the tragedy of the pandemic is the loss of space in these institutions because mm-hmm. then it's just too expensive if you're not going to keep going, but uh what did you learn about the landscape besides that some of them aren't there that's different uh in the pandemic but just being because I think it is true you start to think about fantasizing like oh I want to move to this city I want to move to that city and then when you get there there's a reality that's involved some of it better some of it more challenging
3: exactly well right now I'm at the phase where it's I've been here for a little over a month now and it's sort of setting in that this is where I live and it's not just a place that I was hoping to end up, I'm really here. Um, So there's stakes involved. Um, (laughs) So in terms of what I'm learning about how things have changed, I think um, sort of like how a lot of theater became virtual over the pandemic, there was a lot of online comedy that happened. Um, And I think there's a lot of people that gained large audiences online over the pandemic. And now as things are sort of coming back to life a little bit um, and they're emerging in person, um, I think that's a huge draw. That's what I've seen so far. Um, It's also interesting to have followed a lot of Chicago comedians and improvisers on social media throughout the pandemic and sort of kept up with their jokes and things like that. And now could potentially just bump into them at a show one night that we're now that we're in the same city, you know, I'm sort of like these people are out here doing it. So I'm excited to be among them, but they have no idea what I'm doing right now.
0: <laughs> and are the clubs you said that, but are the clubs opening up?
3: They are. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time seeing improv or stand-up honestly I know there's a couple stand-up clubs that are well known here um I really truly just have a lot more exploring to do I'm not sure if I like fully know that that's sort of what I was saying earlier like you think you you can read about the Chicago improv and comedy scene but now that I'm here I'm like well what is this place known for and I just have a lot more research to do I think but um this weekend I went to Logan Square Improv, which um, I had never heard of before, but the shows were really good. There was short form, there was long form um, and they were only $5 shows and everyone was just having a really good time and they were just enjoying themselves on stage. And I was like, this is the thing that I really missed was just you know, seeing people work together and do what they love. And it was really exciting. So
0: does it feel accessible as the community?
3: It does. it does. I think, and I think ultimately too, especially with um, improv, there's lots of improv classes to take, and ultimately, like these theaters need people to take their classes. like it's a great it's a great source of income, you know, So it's accessible in the sense of like if you can pay for the class, like, yeah, we'll hang out with you and like we'll help you along. but um, but yeah, everyone, you know, nobody took themselves too seriously there which was a really good thing to see um and it did feel pretty accessible
0: i I find it not surprising because i had a great time at SCTC and talking to you and working with you that you were thinking of spending the year doing the community engagement and dramaturgy and now that you are in chicago and you are pursuing sketch and stand-up which is more actively where I imagine your art taking you. Mm -hmm. I am wondering if something changed in your year and a half of not performing on stage or not getting the internship, did your relationship to the art or your pursuit of career, did anything shift, do you think?
3: I think a little bit. I think, I mean, there is still a very large part of me that would love to explore a career in what I was doing that, what I was planning to do with that apprenticeship. Um, I'm still really passionate about arts accessibility, especially for kids and communities. And um, I still think dramaturgy is really cool. Um, (laughs) And I would just, I would love to do stuff like that. I think um, in terms of my relationship to comedy and how that changed over the pandemic, I think, I mean, I had a year to myself (laughs) to think about how I, I mean, you know this from working on I Have Something to Say. Um, There's like this fear that I feel about comedy and um, vulnerability and everything that lies there. And I think I spent a lot of time worrying about how to make Jokes universal and how to, um, how to sort of like people please. But I think throughout the past year or two, it's become more about like, how can I be as specific as possible? I think specificity is hilarious. Um, you know, how can I be honest as possible? Um, that sort of goes hand in hand with the specificity. I also think I, I sort of for lack of a better <laughs> a better way to say it left a lot of things in the drafts like i left a lot of tweets in the drafts for instance and now i'm just sort of like well i'm i i just want to start writing jokes and saying jokes and just seeing what happens i i feel that impulse of i just need to write and get it in front of an audience and find my comedic voice like that's sort of what i'm feeling right now is before it was sort of a dream and now it's like setting in how much I need to do the work to really make that happen and so I'm trying to prime myself to get in the mindset of doing the work and putting in the time and just writing even if I think it's terrible and you know keeping my notes app open and you know coming up with bits left and right because you just never know um (gasps) But just staying more open minded to things like that and sort of trying to be less timid about, is this funny? Is this not funny? It's like, I don't know, let's find out.
0: Yeah, the idea of practically doing it is good. Mm-hmm. And I also, I do think, by the way, it's very funny. It's like, will they like me, blah, 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 because um, you're hilarious in it, doing it. And the thing that in that show confronting that fear was a big part of it. But I think. I think I say this about playwriting. I think, you know, everything, the more you more specific you make something, the more it resonates universally. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the more actual personal it is, I think other people can identify in some, even though it's not exactly the same experience of their own, they'll they'll feel it more than mm-hmm. broad strokes. And so I think it is interesting. I also think it's interesting you're by yourself, you're like, I gotta just be me. <laughs>
3: yeah. And also it's like the moment that, that comedy became less accessible, I was like, oh no, I've, I've dawdled. I've, you know, now more than ever, like I, I want to say things. I've wasted my life. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, i got to get to work. So I think that was, that was something beneficial that came out of it. I do think that there was sort of a mental shift there for me.
0: Yeah, that's what I was curious about, because I think the, I think you, hearing you, and I think the idea of dramaturgy, and I know that you're great at investment in new play and new play development, and we got to work on a couple of those through the farms relationship to center, and, and, um, but I think the vulnerability is where maybe the passion lives, and the where the fear is, and I think it's great to hear that the time alone or away from it is makes it clearer as to what the passion is cuz you'll always you can always do the other work you know mm-hmm. but i think that time alone and realizing the time is wasting you need to get out there and do it which is great uh, i you know this list of questions i was going to ask but the but one of the things i'm really interested in uh different than when you were graduating, what do you think you need now when you think about it practically? Like, oh, if I'm gonna take the next step, here's what I could need. That might've been different than when you were a senior in college.
3: That's a great question. I remember you virtually visited our senior seminar class um, sometime before graduation and you asked that same question to us And I remember at that time saying, I just need to be told that it's gonna be okay. (laughs) um, Which I mean, in some ways we all need that at all times. Um, So that still kind of stands, but I think that's such a good question. I'm trying to figure out the best way to answer it. I think I need to remember this is this is kind of a self work thing but also i think it ties into how the industry perhaps looks at emerging artists um i need to remember that i know stuff you know i think i think i have a tendency to want to undersell myself as i just graduated college and i had an apprenticeship but i didn't do it and I can't put that on my resume because it didn't happen. And I think before the pandemic, I very much had this idea that even though everyone has a different path in theater in terms of how they they get to their job, how they build their career, um, I was trying to find those stepping stones that led me to believe that I was okay and that I was gaining experience. I know there's no
0: path, but there's clearly gotta be a path.
3: (laughs) Exactly. And so I was like, this apprenticeship is my first step. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, how am I, how am I going to get professional experience? I don't, I don't know. Um, and I think that's sort of been the question for a lot of us is there's sort of this belief that you need to have a certain set of experiences and credentials. And it's like, how do, how do we get them now? you know, Um, I thought that, because there's so many theater apprenticeships, and I thought that that was really the only way, and now I realize that it doesn't have to be the only way, Um, I don't know what my way is now, (laughs) that that apprenticeship isn't really happening, but I would like to think that um, since the pandemic, that won't be as heavily focused on, you know, when you're meeting of young artists and you're like where's your professional experience where's this and it's i don't know i hope that there's more excitement for like just the passion of theater you know like do i need to say that i have this this theater on my resume or i know this person at this place to do something Um, I don't know, that could still be the case, but what I'm saying is I hope it's less the case
0: (laughs) now. I think that's great actually, because I've been thinking, I I was asking the question selfishly. I asked it selfishly when I talked to you remotely graduating Mm -hmm. class as the farm wondering like, oh, what's useful, especially at a time Mm -hmm. of pandemic and things like that. And I loved your answer of to know that it's gonna be okay. But this one, I actually think what you're talking about is really important. I'm a big proponent of finding, you know, individual pathways for people to get to success. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying is that we gotta trust ourselves that we're taking our own pathway, but we also have to trust those that we're talking to after this year and a half of trauma will understand that there's no straight line. There's no one way to do it. And they exactly have to, we have to look at each other as individuals. And I'm hoping more and more we will look at each, you know, we'll mm-hmm. recognize the individual passion and skill. Both yes. of those, both of those are good.
3: You said that in a much more articulate way.
0: <laughs> I just wrote down when you were talking what <laughs> uh, what no, it was it was thank well, thank you, but I was. Taking it from your point, because I I do. I so you know I'm sitting here nervous about repeating myself, but I really do think when we talk about doing it differently, I think you still are putting in the work, and we're mm-hmm. still. But we need to trust the non-traditional path, and that's what the year and a half has. Nobody's been. There's no path. Every road was interrupted. Every everybody was stopped in some way, even if even if they were in that internship somewhere, they were doing it virtually. So you said what I needed, but what did you wish you knew?
3: I wish I knew something that several people told me, but it's a different thing now to know that, (laughs) to know it myself, Um, that you don't always have to know what the next thing is. Um, I think that apprenticeship for me was also like checking a box of like, here's my post-grad plans, here's my first step. And now I'm in the AmeriCorps program and I'm excited for the experience that I'm gonna gain from that. But I, I don't know what's gonna happen after this year. I don't know what's gonna keep me in Chicago, I'm not sure. So um, sort of just making peace with the unknown has been another theme of this year and also is very much a thing that I feel like a lot of young people go through. And so that's been the biggest thing for me is just having to be okay with that. And I wish I had known earlier that I didn't quite need to stress myself out so much about
0: that. Well, that was great. Um, Thank you, Diana. Oh, Alia, yeah. Riley. So glad to get to catch up with the three of them. And um, also just, it's really good to hear, you know, as I'm thinking about, you know, how am I feeling? Theater's opening up, Broadway's opening up, things are happening, but it still feels like the, the industry is not fully moving and still processing what's important and what, and also in the farm, uh, you know, what do early career artists need and what, how do you cultivate that? And it was just great to hear their perspective and and what they've been doing, and also just the realignment. I love, you know, the, the idea of taking time. And it's true, I mean, we were forced to, but it was also a reminder of like, it's a long race, this this career, it's a long marathon, and to take your break when you need it, and a thing of don't be stressed out. And, you know, and Riley also, I just really appreciated the mentorship, because I do think that's important, I think, We need to ask for help, but also make sure we're giving the help because a whole bunch of new people are going to be acclimating into physical communities now, and we're going to be reconnecting to the same we People who've been physically in these communities before the pandemic, you know, we're there, we're reconnecting, and we've got to remember to be welcoming and inviting to all of us, And I also love the talking about the idea of individual paths and seeing people as individuals for who they are, and that all of the experiences, which are now unique and new, are also valuable. And it was a great reminder. And I really, yeah, I'm really happy to have had the conversation. I'm grateful for them to share with me and us so honestly about it, because as we're continuing the season four of the podcast, I'm really glad you're back and listening. And, you know, one of the things I want to do is hear about reality. And I think it's a different industry. I don't think, you know, it's not fully back to what was useful before and what's happening. I think things are happening differently and looking forward to hearing people talk about their perspectives in their lives and what they've shifted to and how they're pursuing it. And also, you know, what do you need? And I asked that question in the farm's newsletter and I ask it on the podcast, you know, make sure if you want, you can reach out funny. We can reach out to Patrick at thefarmtheater.org and, you know, let me know what you're thinking about. Um, But I'm really glad to be back. I'm glad to be in conversation with the three of them, and I look forward to more conversations, and I'm glad that we are all in it together and listening and sharing our experience with one another. And with that, we're out.